Hi, everyone. My name is Jeff Coughlin. I'm a senior editor at Forbes, and I'm joined by my colleague, Emily Mason, who's a reporter at Forbes. We both cover fintech, and we're going to be here talking about our 2024 Fintech 50 list, which is our ninth annual version of our list of the most innovative private fintech companies. Thanks for the intro, Jeff. Um, so I guess list overall, like what are some themes that you're noticing? Any no notable trends pop out? Yeah, a few things. I would say among the companies that we're doing better are um, payments companies, companies providing business banking services, and other kind of back-end technology providers. And we see that a lot when you know, the industry isn't doing as well, you can't spend as much money on marketing to attract consumers, and so that's what we're seeing is some of these back-end infrastructure companies doing better. And among the companies that aren't doing as well and had kind of a lesser showing on the list are personal finance companies, uh, cryptocurrency companies, and uh, real estate companies. Who are some of the top players on the list this year? Yeah, so speaking of payments companies, I think two that really stand out in that category are going to be Stripe and Plaid. Um, they might not be on the list for too much longer because we only feature private companies and they've kind of been stirring IPO rumors for a couple years now. Um, Stripe reportedly at the end of last year told employees that they would make a decision about going public in the next year and Plaid hired its first ever chief financial officer in October. So that's usually a sign that it might be on the horizon. So that's something we're definitely watching. Um, Another big company to keep an eye on is Mercury. Um, they're a digital bank for small businesses and startups, and they had $95 billion in transactions processed in 2023, which was a 95% jump from the year before. So that's definitely like a strong showing from them. Um, I think another one to kind of keep an eye on is probably Wealthfront. They've been around since 2008, and they're a robo-advisor. And they've really kind of stuck it out, even as they've had competition from incumbents come. So. Vanguard and Schwab have both launched their own robo-advisor competitors, and they've really stuck it out. I think they had, um, it was $200 million in revenue in 2023, and their assets under management kind of continue to grow, so they're another strong player to like keep an eye on. Yeah, that was a surprising one, especially with Wealthfront. You know, they've been around a while, like you said, and to see them kind of really have such a big year where they grew revenue so much was really surprising. Yeah, and ex exciting for us. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, last year was kind of particularly rough for, for fintech startups. Like, do you want to talk about kind of the market overall and what it's looking like right now? Yeah, it was um, 2022 and 2023 were both really rough for, for fintech. Um, and so what we saw was, you know, still continued layoffs. We saw valuations falling. Um, venture capital certainly is is going through a, a dry a dry spot for sure continues to I think venture funding in 2022 was around 79 billion which was already down a lot from 2021 and then it was down again to about 38 billion uh, in 2023 according to CB Insights so tough definitely another tough year for fintech companies are really focusing on making their cash last longer you know burning less money trying to getting closer to closer to profitability so another tough year some valuations that fell as well that we saw um, ramp was one example another was next insurance which fell from about 4 billion in 2021 to two and a half billion from a November 2023 fundraise so 
and but that's just part of the market. Just like the the publicly traded fintech stocks, we're seeing the valuations fall. We see that in the private market as well. It doesn't mean they're not good companies. Those both of those ramp and next insurance made are less. They're they're growing, um, good businesses, and so. It's interesting to see that dynamic play out, though, with the market values falling. Uh, but that doesn't mean the companies aren't actually doing well and still growing. And talking about the rough year for fintech companies, what were some of the fintech companies affected by the layoffs that we've seen in, in the tech industry overall? Yeah, I mean, I think fintech has not been kind of exempt from layoffs that have been prevalent in the broader tech industry. Um, I think in the public market, SoFi, Block, PayPal, they're all big, really strong companies that have had to do layoffs. Um, on our list, Navan and Melio are two that have had to do layoffs in sort of recent history. Um, and I think it, again, just kind of goes to your point that even the strongest companies aren't really exempt from the current environment, and they still are kind of having to take steps to reduce their cash burn and sort of focus on shifting to profitability and running a really efficient business. Mm. So that's been interesting. That's kind of a harsh reality of right now. Like, are there any sort of particular services that have come up as like a new need in fintech or like kind of a new green space that you're looking at? Yeah, there are a couple that come to mind. So. One is uh, cyber insurance, and so cyber insurance, it's interesting. It's essentially if you you want to get insurance in case you get a ransomware attack or in case you have, you know, someone falls for a phishing email, and that has grown, continues to grow, and that's because cyber attacks keep growing. And similar to that is um, fraud. Fraud keeps growing as well. And because of that, there's a growing need for fraud prevention companies. So um, those are a couple of areas where we see a new need based on market dynamics. A lot of the other fintech companies on our list are, it's kind of a longer trend of, you know, how do you use technology to make financial services cheaper and faster and more accessible? And, and so, um, you know, a lot of these companies that are making whether it's payments or bank accounts, cheaper and more accessible. That's kind of a, a multi-year long trend that really has been around since the beginning of FinTech. Every year for the FinTech 50, it's always interesting to look at who are the, the newcomers to the list, because we have a lot of incumbents who make the list many times over, um, or should I say startups that are incumbents to the list. What, who are some of the interesting newcomers for, for this year on the 2024 FinTech 50? Yeah, newcomers are, are really exciting. Um, we had 13 on the list this year. I think one that was interesting to look at is Pulley. Um, they're kind of a cap management tool for startups. Uh, the CEO and founder, Yin Wu, is a serial entrepreneur, so she knows startups really well. Um, and it's kind of been interesting to watch some drama with one of their big competitors, Carta. They kind of got into some hot water with clients because they were reaching out to clients' investors and kind of asking them about the shares that they held and if they were willing to sell. And that kind of made some of their clients upset. And she kind of took to Twitter to like push her own platform and say, like, if you switch to us, we'll offer you discounts. Um, so that's been an interesting kind of dynamic to watch unfold. Um, I think the other one that's kind of been interesting is Data Snipper. Um, they're an AI powered tool that lives in Excel and it sort of helps audit and finance teams like reconcile data from a lot of different sources um, and make sure that expense records are adding up and that it's all kind of come together in a more efficient way. So they're another really interesting one to keep an eye on. Mm. Yeah, that I found that one interesting too. I think they recently hit a, a 1 billion valuation. If I'm not 
mistaken, and their their CEO is the former CMO of uh, Marketa. Yeah, that's really interesting. All of the there's three founders. They're all around 30 years old, early 30s. Um, they bootstrapped the business for the first five years, and then, as you said, they've they've reached a one billion dollar valuation. So that's that's really cool. Well, Emily, thank you so much for for joining me in this conversation, and I can't wait to continue the conversation.